Hello, friends, and welcome again to another episode of the Gita Memoirs. If you know, we are actually doing qualities of a nyani. Hi, Lou. Sorry. How are we doing today? Good, good. (laughs) 20 qualities of a nyani. Um, Just to confirm that we all are on the same page, in this 13th chapter, what Krishna did was initially he said, that each one of us has a body, which he called the field or kshetra in Sanskrit. Then he said, in order to know the knower of the body, the kshetragnya, he said, you have to develop these 20 qualities which are within you. So he starts going through these 20 qualities. When he he finishes these 20 qualities, he will talk about the which is the knower of the field, the knower of the body, which is our consciousness. Very important three areas. So recognize that you are the body and you are the spirit or life that is inhabiting this body. And you know what is going on with your body, your mind, your intellect, your feelings, because you say, I am sleepy. I am hungry. I am a young boy, I am an old man, that kind of stuff. That I am, that knower, is what he's talking about. But we are all wrapped up in our own body, our mind, our intellect, life. And so we don't recognize that we are separate in terms of the knower from the body, the mind, the senses. Those are just our equipments. It's like saying, I drive all the time, I drive all day, I'm a professional driver. I'm in the car all the time, I'm listening to my radio, I'm driving, I'm putting the brakes on. Therefore, I believe I'm the car. Yeah, exactly. So you're not, you're separate from the car. You are the Atman, you are the Brahman. Anyway, the third quality of those 20, we did the first two last time. The fourth quality, sorry, the fourth quality is forgiveness. In Sanskrit, it's known as Kshanti. And It's actually not forgiveness, but because we don't have a good enough word to describe shanti in uh, English, we call it forgiveness. Now, forgiveness, this is shanti is one step beyond forgiveness. Let me first talk about forgiveness so you understand what I'm talking about. You with me, Lou? Yes, I am. Great. So forgiveness comes from a lack of understanding about vasanas. Now, vasanas are drives and desires that we are born with, that come to us from previous lives, that each one born, I mean, you have two twins being born to the same mother. Mm-hmm. One twin may be hungry for money from most vasanas start showing themselves in the teenage years. And the other could care less about money, but is interested in education, knowledge. How does that work? So twins basically might have the same thought process, whatever, but these two vasanas are different because of their previous experiences that they've stored within their mind and body. So animals, for instance, have vasanas that are pre-programmed. They don't differ from one animal in one species to another. All lions have the same vasanas. All tigers have the same vasanas. All cows have the same vasanas. Therefore, you look at the species of a lion or tiger, you know, before you even get to know that particular lion, that this lion is ferocious. I don't want to put my hand in its cage or touch him. He'll eat my hand. 
Uh, he'll bite me. He'll do something to hurt me. I want to stay far away, out of the cage, out of reach of that lion. Whereas with a cow or a lamb, you say, I'm not afraid. You go and you start touching it within reason. Um, but you know what the species is like. Now, there could be 10 men standing in front of you in the same blue jeans and white t-shirt, right? Looking the same, yep. but each one of them is different. One, and you can't tell by looking at them like you can with a cow or a tiger, what their vasanas are. One could be a terrorist, one could be a rapist, one could be a saint, one could be, all of them look the same. Whether they're with blue jeans and white t-shirt or just completely naked, <laughs> they're all the same. So when you have an understanding about vasanas, you recognize that these vasanas are so powerful in certain people that they cannot control them. You may not have yourself, uh, the listener, strong vasanas, but those people who do cannot control them. It's, it, they're pre-programmed from thousands of lifetimes before. And you, you don't know why they do things that they do. It's just incredible. Those who have very strong vasanas will just say, I don't know. I knew I would get in trouble. I knew this is wrong. I right. knew I shouldn't do this, but I just couldn't control myself. And for those of you who want to learn about this, these vasanas, just look at some of the histories of some of the major criminals that we've had, rapists, ma mass murderers, or serial killers. And you say, what brought them to this? What pleasure were they getting out of this? These are the vasanas for which their desire is there to do certain things. So when somebody does something to you, right? he says something hurts, hurtful, his vasana is to be hurtful like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when he does something to hurt you, let's come up with an example. He stole money from you because money was important to him. That's his vasana. He says, I'm going to steal it. He stole it, cheated you, etc. You say, I have to forgive him. But there's a step between your wanting to forgive and that thought occurring to you. There's first an internal frustration within yourself, an internal frustration that this person did this to me. Why should I forgive him? I want to actually hurt him. I want to do something. I want to take revenge. That you recognize he did something to me, and then you have to forgive it. First, there's that slight bit of unconscious, pre-conscious, or conscious feeling that I am egoistically feeling I'm superior to him, therefore I can forgive him. That person is inferior to me because he did something to me. Yeah. He's inferior, I'm superior. So that's the first thing that you don't want within yourself. You don't want to be feeling superior to anybody. Second thought is he doesn't know that he has done wrong, but I know he has done wrong. Again, a feeling that you're superior. I know I'm superior, therefore I let's forgive him. So that has to be taken into account. Then you say, okay, with a feeling of frustration, much as you don't want to, you say, I forgave him. But internally, that feeling of being bothered is truly there. There might be certain people who can truly forgive somebody, but most of us can't. True forgiveness is to understand that each person behaves according to their vasanas, and it's uncontrollable for most people. They're programmed as such. So, um, and you seem to understand that when it comes to animals, but you don't seem to understand that when it comes to human beings. Right. A dog, bites you, a dog bites you, you forgive him. 
you forgive him, right? Yes. You, my wife and I had gone with some friends for a safari in Africa. And we went on this, in this Range Rover out with the guide. And he said, look, there will be a cheetah coming from somewhere because see these deer over here. Next thing, before he could even finish his sentence, we saw this cheetah coming at great speed. The deer was running and the guy in the Range Rover was following him, our driver. We were watching, enthralled. The cheetah jumped on the deer, caught it by its throat, and then you know started killing it, eating it, tearing it to shreds. And then the cheetah's babies, four or five of them came out and then started eating also. The mother ate first, then the babies ate. We were, we didn't say, oh, what an awful cheetah, horrible thing. Let's stone it, let's hurt it. We just said, this is nature. This is, these are vasanas. If we understood what vasanas were, that's what you would think. These are vasanas, let it go. That's what the cheetah does, this is nature. We were not happy that the, che- the deer got killed, but we made excuses. We said, oh, the cheetah has babies to feed. How come we can't do that with human beings? How come we can't say that, you know, these are vasanas that this a person has? With a cheetah, if he was in a zoo, you'd stay far away. Your child was going near the cage, you'd hold him and pull him back. Whereas with human beings, you tend to not realize that this person could, you must make an assessment first before you think to yourself, this person could do this or do that. You must assess a person don't just wildly uh, have trust in somebody or don't just wildly say he is X, Y, Z or from this country, that country. Therefore, I don't trust him. It shouldn't be like that. Make your own assessment. Is part of this forgiveness process detaching from the offense? In other words, the offense usually takes something of yours, a possession, a desire, like you talked about money was your example, or there's an offense to your ego and maybe you're overattached to whatever that offense is. Doesn't mean you have to be buddies with them or anything, but it means part of that forgiveness might be just detaching from the offense. Well, it goes into many different things, right? It depends on your body, your mind, or your intellect. From your body, any possession that you have that is good for your senses, that is taken away, it's it's a loss to you. So any kind of a loss. So if your mind, you love somebody, a girlfriend that you're in crazy about and another guy comes and takes her away from you steals her or has an affair with you know the person that you're close to you that's a loss to you so right. you're not ne- yes you could be attached but any kind of a loss real or imagined it could be an imagined loss so let's say for your intellect you have honor i am an honorable person i am famous i am well known i am the chief of whatever and this person insulted me. Oh, oh, wow. So therefore I'm hurt because I lost, imagined loss, lost my honor. They, I was made a laughing stock of within people. Whether if you ask everybody else, say, no, I didn't think that. He, he must be wrong. He was too sensitive, they say. So that's an imagined loss. Now, you're not attached to anything in that, in that example with somebody making fun of you that people laughed at, you think. You're not attached to anything, but you imagined the loss, real or imagined loss that caused you to feel that this person did you wrong. Therefore, you have to forgive. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. So people can be cruel and destructive. Just like you would stay away from a cheetah in a cage, you have to stay away from such individuals. Look at the world. 
and people as they are. Understand and accept their failings. Understand their vasanas. And then don't think of yourself as superior to them. Just back off, away from them. Jesus said, Gautam Jain would tell this, say this all the time. Jesus said, inequity there shall be in the world. Inequity there should be, there will be in this world. Woe be unto you if you be the cause of it. I think it's in Matthew 18, 7. Mm -hmm. um, so Gautam Jain used to love to say that all the time. Inequity there will be. Just don't be the cause of it. You don't cause anything to happen like that. So that is forgiveness. But Shanti is not forgiveness. Shanti is one step beyond that. Forgiveness means you feel inferior, you feel hurt, you feel somebody's done bad to you, and you recognize it and you say, that's okay, I'm better than that, I forgive him. Shanti is you don't even feel that because you don't put yourself in a position where somebody could take advantage of you or you should be lost. But even without with all the trying, somebody does do something to you. You don't even feel anything because you say, well, just like a dog biting you, like, uh, like Lou said, a dog biting you, you don't feel, oh, I hate this person because he bit me. You just recognize that this is a dog. You say, ow, say, I, my fault, I shouldn't have gone near the dog. So mm -hmm. you're not as bitter, not as angry. Let me give you a better example than a dog. If my hand pokes my eye, <laughs> my, my own hand pokes my eye, I don't take a knife and cut off my hand or my finger. Right. If while eating, I bite my tongue with my own teeth. I don't take out my teeth. Why? <laughs> because I feel one with my whole body. I feel my eye, my finger, my hand are one and the same. My tongue, my teeth are one and the same. I just say, oh, I wish that didn't happen. But I don't blame the teeth. If a nani, a wise person, reaches that point with other human beings, then he feels towards that person the same way as you might feel towards your hand that poked your eye or your teeth that bit your tongue, or as Lou said, a dog that barks at you or bites at you. You're able to instantly say, not even occur to you to forgive this person. You're just accepting it. Does that, that make that clear? That's a great example because it brings in the oneness that we all are. We're all part of the same thing. That's right. So yeah. just like, you know, and if you think of your... Uh, hand poking your eye or your teeth biting your tongue and not getting mad at your body parts. If you could think the same thing about people, that would be very, very helpful. So anyway, that is Shanti or forgiveness. And if you could keep that in mind, that would be great towards then ultimately recognizing what is Brahman, uh, what is uh, uh, the self. So the next quality, which is, um, is Ahimsa. Sorry, I think I might have mixed that up. I think Ahimsa is the third and uh, Kshama is the fourth. Be that as it may, Ahimsa means non-injury. Mm -hmm. Indians have in the past misunderstood Ahimsa because Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, was the first one that spoke of Ahimsa and said, we don't want to hurt anybody, don't want to kill anybody, so no war. If you know the history of India and it's getting its uh, independence from Britain, he said, without violence, we are not going to fight. We are not going to pick up a weapon. We are just going to prove to the British that what they're doing is wrong and they should leave our country, which he did. 
without, and so Martin Luther King, I don't know if you know this, Lou, uh, actually fashioned his civil rights movements uh, based on what Gandhi taught. And so oh, did, yeah, did, yeah, you didn't know that. No, I didn't. Okay. So because of that, a lot of Indians have become passive. So the first thing to recognize is that there are times when you can be assertive, you can be aggressive, you can be violent with, with still being ahimsa. So let me back up one second. This is kind ahimsa. of what Ajna is facing. That's right. That's yeah. right. So yeah. people who say, well, Gita says ahimsa means no violence, then there's a contradiction from first page because what Krishna is saying is, He's leading, he's the charioteer leading Arjuna into battle. If the Gita was saying that no violence, he would have turned the chariot around and said, let's run away from this battle. Instead, Arjuna wants to throw down his weapons, in fact, throws down his weapons, and Krishna says, no, you must fight. Why? Because he is saying that these people who have usurped the kingdom from you are evil, they're terrorizing the kingdom, they're mistreating the population, they have cheated, they're just doing this from selfish reasons. We all know dictators like that, bad people who are presidents and leaders of countries that just think about their own wealth and don't give one care about the population. So kindness in the, in the service of helping somebody else out could be violent in the process. For example, a terrorist is about to light a bomb and kill you know, thousands of people, and you happen to be there, and you try to stop the terrorist. He is going to do this bad thing. You have, to, you have no choice but to use some force to stop him, and in the process, he gets hurt or killed. You have done something that's violent. You've killed, but you've done it in the process of doing something good. Right. So a child needs a vaccine. Child cries, you're going to hurt him by giving him that vaccination, but you're doing it for the right person. A rabid dog is going to bite people and cause rabies. You have to put the dog down, kill it, shoot it. You have no choice. The dog is rabid. You have to do it. So an act of kindness in the immediate thing can be appear cruel, but it's for the right reasons. So an attitude of non-injury, ahimsa, means not just physical violence, people only think of physical violence hurting people, but also words, aggression, writing, all of these things, just a verbal ex expression on your face and a nonverbal expression on your face you can hurt somebody, frowning. I know my little grandchildren, granddaughters, not my grandsons, they're, they're tough as nails, <laughs> but my granddaughters, if I just frown or make a, a loud noise, it's a, even if for, to prevent them from getting hurt, if I just say something loudly, they just, their face becomes small because they're not used to me raising my voice or anything like that. Right, but if I yeah. tell them not to go near the fireplace, then they, they get scared. So you can imagine what effect your voice, your expressions has on people. So an attitude of non-injury, no harm, no violence, no aggression, no causing of sorrow or pain to somebody else, even if it's not by words or actions or expression, if you're causing some sorrow or pain to somebody, that also is himsa. 
and what you want to practice is ahimsa. Shakespeare in Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 3, this is another of Gautam Jain's favorites. Polonius says to Laertes, beware of entrance to a quarrel. Beware of entrance into a quarrel, but being in it, bear the world that your opponent be aware of thee. Sorry. Beware of entrance to a quarrel, but being in it, bear it that the opposed may beware of thee. So you don't want to fight, but once you're forced to fight, make sure that the opponent says, hey, I, did, I wish I hadn't been in this fight. Right. Now, when I was very young, I took up martial arts um, and my two sons were in the martial arts classes with me. We learned a lot of things, both in texts as well as from our uh, teacher. And the first thing that we saw was that the Japanese police, where this is pretty well known, they Japanese are expert or were at that time, going back 60 years ago. Um, the Japanese police are experts in martial arts, but they have been taught that they use the minimum force necessary. You, they could probably break somebody's neck, a criminal's neck, but they say, just hold his bend his arm and hold it like this so he can't run away or move or do anything to hurt you and leave it at that. You don't need to break his hand, don't need to break his wrist, don't need to break his arm unless you have to. They also say that when you have an opponent, bow to him, try to talk to him, try to talk him out, even though you know you could you know, kick his butt. But <laughs> be careful, try and reason with him first. And if he doesn't, if he persists, use the minimum amount of force if nothing works, then use whatever force you need to. Right. Beware of entrance into the fight, but being in it, bear it so that your opponent bewares of thee. So the internal attitude is to save, not to hurt. That's ahimsa. Use the minimum. And even after you're in the fight, they say, let's say you win. You don't gloat over the person. You don't spit on him, kick him as he's down. You, in fact, with respect, reach down and help him. If you've hurt him, broken his arm, whatever, you tend to, you don't spit on him, walk away, a show gloating. That's right. what the teachings of the martial arts is. So that's basically also ahimsa. So friends, forgiveness and non-injury is what we covered this time. And next time we'll do the rest. And thank you so much for joining us.